Hello and welcome to Silux, a podcast where we talk about scientific developments and technological changes in Luxembourg. And in today's episode, we focus on biodegradable and sustainable solutions. First, we look at the refrigeration of tomorrow and the air conditioning systems. Then we will talk about the cellulose research in Luxembourg. And at the very end, there'll be a little bit about waste management. But first, as usual, it's time for the pub quiz. Just to remind you, this is the part of the podcast where I ask you one pub quiz style question and the solution to the questions at the very end of the podcast. And today's question is, how many Nobel Prize winners were from Luxembourg? Okay, and as usual now, let's focus on science and technology. I wonder if you did the same thing as me. I recently invested in my first air conditioner in Luxembourg. Yes, it was way too hot this summer. And that's why I was particularly happy to learn about the recent research in this field in Luxembourg. Dr. Emmanuel Stiefe's team has managed to achieve 13 degrees Celsius temperature difference compared to the temperature of the room. And this was all achieved without using the classic materials and without vapor compression. What is vapor compression? How does it work? It absorbs and removes heat from the space to be cooled and then rejects the heat elsewhere. It uses hydrofluorocarbons or HFCs, which are considered to be pretty bad for our climate. That's why it is so important to find a different idea, a different material to be used. The scientists used electrocaloric materials instead of HFCs. When applying an electric field to these materials, we achieve a reversible temperature change. Another notable fact is that this research was described in a very prestigious magazine, the magazine Science. Two of the authors are based in Luxembourg, Dr. Emmanuel Diefe and Alvar Torello. We hope that this might contribute to a new, more sustainable solution for air conditioning, as currently 20% of energy consumption is used to cool spaces. We're talking about not only residential sector, but also commercial sector and any other sectors. And as you can see also from my own example, there is going to be a growing demand for air conditioners all over the world. As promised, the second theme of our podcast is also about a sustainable solution and research, but this time it's about cellulose. Cellulose is the single most abundant polymer on Earth. What is a polymer? Polymer is quite a long repeating chain of molecules. I promise to leave a link to a video where it is explained in more detail. But now on to cellulose. So cellulose is synthesized in every plant and we use it to produce paper, to make clothes. We used it also for cellophane. Nitrocellulose is used for nail polish. There are really thousands of different applications when it comes to this special polymer. The problem with it is that the processing of cellulose is often very complex And this is where the research in Luxembourg comes into play. 
But first of all, one more interesting fact. I guess you might have heard that cellulose is one of those materials that we do not digest as human beings. And as a coating material in pills, it helps to make them disintegrate. But there are animals that actually are able to digest cellulose, and these are termites. They have special microbes inside their guts that actually digest cellulose. I just thought that it would be nice to share this interesting fact with you. But now let's move on to what has been discovered in Luxembourg. So there have been two different publications regarding cellulose research. The first one was done by Emmanuel Anifantakis. Together with his co-workers, he has found out a new way to process HPC solutions. This time we're talking about HPC, not HFC, because that was in the refrigeration story. So HPC is the hydroxypropyl cellulose. It is the derivative of cellulose and it's the one that shapes and gives volume to the pill. So once again, what did they find out? They prepared and manipulated the HPC solutions at low concentrations where they flow easily. And once they achieved the target shape, the so-called liquid crystal marble, so that's eventually a millimeter-sized sphere, they increased the concentration. What they found out is that the cellulose exhibits amazing optical properties. When it's arranged into a helix, it can get different colors depending on the stimuli. As a consequence, it can be used as a non-electronic sensor. So a sensor that doesn't require any batteries. For example, for temperature changes, for mechanical deformations, for presence of toxic chemicals. The second research was led by Professor Jan Langeval and his former doctoral candidate Camilla Honorata Rios. What they focused on was the pure cellulose, the form of which were the cellulose nanocrystals, the so-called CNCs. We could also call them the nanoras of crystalline cellulose. They are a few hundred nanometers in length and about five to ten nanometers in width. We are also talking about the liquid phase in water of these. And the problem is that these nanorods are very dispersed in length. So you have many long and many short rods. And this results in different viscosities. What is viscosity? That's resistance to deformation. So what the scientists were trying to achieve was to obtain materials with uniform properties because otherwise it's very difficult to process this uh, solution. They found out that there is an easily available equipment, basically present in most of the laboratories. We're talking about the separation funnel. And with the separation funnel, they achieved this division of different nanorods. And with that, they could study and produce more solid films and moreover, this is a very easily scalable technique, which means eventually that we've just achieved a new sustainable nanomaterial. And today I would like to finish off with more of a technological change or some solutions that are there in the pipeline in Luxembourg. Valor Lux of Valor Lux 
has just recently celebrated its 25 years of existence, you might link this name to the so-called blue bags that we have to leave every second week to be collected with all the different plastics and packaging. So this uh, company, it's a non-profit organization, has uh, summarized recently their different approach and findings and has talked a little bit about their future. So first of all, Luxembourg has to reduce the number of single-use plastic bags. We have to work on more and more packaging being recycled. The aim is that by the end of 2025, at least 65% of all packaging waste should be recycled. By the end of 2030, we're talking about 70% of packaging waste. When it comes to the single-use plastic bags, currently one person uses 90 bags annually and the aim is 40 bags per person. This is actually a very interesting subject. I don't know if you heard about carbon footprint of paper bags, cotton bags. It isn't so clear that single-use plastic bags are always so bad. If you want to know more, I will share with you some links to articles about this um, matter in the show notes. But coming back to Valorlux, so in 2019, they launched a pilot project in 46 municipalities in the north. And there the inhabitants could leave also jars, cups, trays, films and plastic bags inside their blue bags. It seems that this has been quite a success and they want to expand it to the whole country. There is also another idea, another technological idea that is right now in the making. The discussion whether we would need more recycling centers or should the sorting part be already done at homes to make it easier for the recycling centers to work. Also because currently quite a lot of it is done by hand. So the question is, should we use machines or should we actually keep it the way it is? This is still to be decided. We really don't know which path we are going to choose. Another idea and technological change we are going to face very soon is applying the polluter pace principle. I'm pretty sure you've heard a little bit about the changes throughout the EU. We have agreed to reduce greenhouse gas emissions by 55% by 2030 compared to 2005. And... As part of it, like many European countries, Luxembourg is going to apply a minimum carbon price. This price will apply to fuel, so petrol and diesel, heating oil and gas. What is the price eventually in Luxembourg? We're talking about 20 euros per tonne of CO2 emitted to start with. In 2022, we will have 25 euros per tonne and then 30 euros per tonne in 2023. This income is going to finance other measures to combat climate change. There'll be the tax credits that they want to increase and the cost of living allowance will be raised too. So it will help us transition towards a more sustainable economy and sustainable living. And in case, just like me, you're still unsure about certain plastics or packaging and where to put it, please do visit a website that actually has a very nice search option and an A to Z index on all the different packaging and all the different materials that we want to throw away. And there you can really check everything. As usual, I will share this website with you in my show notes. 
And as we are coming to almost the end of the podcast, it's time now for the solution to the pub quiz. So just to remind you, the question was, how many Nobel Prize winners were from Luxembourg? So the solution is two. And as we are recently, because of COVID, often talking about statistics per person or per 100 inhabitants, I wanted to share a very positive statistic with you. So we are third in the world when it comes to the number of Nobel Prize winners per capita. This is because we have two Nobel Prize winners. And the first one was Gabriel Lippmann in 1905. The prize was in physics and it was for reproducing colors photographically based on the phenomenon of interference. And interference is the interaction between light waves. Unfortunately, this solution never came to widespread usage. The second Nobel Prize winner was Jules Hoffmann. It was one-fourth of the prize in physiology or medicine in 2011. He got it for discoveries concerning activation of innate immunity. Innate immunity together with adaptive immunity are the two lines of defense against viruses, bacteria and other microorganisms. And coming back to the first Nobel Prize winner, Gabriel Lippmann, he had a very funky moustache. If you want to see it, I will leave a link to his picture in the show notes. I'm not going to try to describe this moustache to you. And now we've come to the end of the show. Thank you very much for listening. As usual, don't forget to subscribe, to follow me and to share your thoughts about this program. I hope that you are listening to this show exactly on the date when it was released. And if it is the case, remember about two important events this week. There's going to be the FNR, so Fonds National de Recherche Awards, and also another one, the launch of the European Space Resources Innovation Centre. The first one, so the FNR Awards, that's the 19th of November, and the European Space Resources Innovation Centre, 18th of November. More details are in the show notes. Thank you for listening. This was Silux, and my name is Hanna Szymaszko.